So let's, let's move on. We've got to get going on the message. We're starting, this is a little different picture, and I'm going to start this morning with a story that I heard, and I hope it makes some sense for you. But the story goes like this, that someone uh, a long time ago, he's on a river, and he can't swim, and the river is super choppy, rough, and he somehow gets a raft, and he holds onto that raft for dear life, and he floats down this rough river. And he's clinging to the raft because he knows if he lets go of the raft, that's it. It's over for him. He won't survive. He can't swim. And he eventually goes through some rapids and down the, ra down the river, clinging to the raft. And he gets finally over to the side of the river. And he's exhausted, breathes heavily, pulls the raft off of the river up onto the bank. And he waits and he breathes and he's trying to get his like, act together. And then when he's kind of caught his breath, he gets up and he knows he's got to march through some heavy forest area and try and find his way to safety and, and get found by whoever's looking for him. So he takes the raft and he drags the raft all the way through the forest and he's dragging it over rocks and around trees and it exhausts him. It wears him out. The combination of being in the water and then trying to pull this heavy raft through the forest, he collapses and he doesn't make it. He perishes there in the forest. Not exactly a happy story, I, I get it. But the point of the story when the person told this to me was that sometimes you've got to let go of things if you're going to move forward and ahead. And the two stories that Jesus tells that we're going to look at this morning, that's kind of the main message. That sometimes when it comes to us and God, we've got to let go of things if we're going to move forward and move into a, a greater and deeper relationship with Jesus. Let's start, and we're going to look at the first parable. And, and this is the main, the main uh, uh, title of the message, Discovery and Sacrifice. Those are the two themes we're looking at today. Here's the story about the hidden treasure. Jesus said this. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. So let's go to the next slide. This is roughly the, 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 the summary of this, this story. Guy's in a field. We don't know who he is, what he's doing there. A possible scenario is that he's a field worker who's renting a, some, a field from someone, and he's maybe tilling the soil, and he's getting ready to plant something. And you know, you've been in your garden, and you're digging, and then maybe you've gone in with the spade, and you hear thud. And you think, what's that? So you dig around it and you look and see what's there. He did exactly that. And what he found was some kind of treasure. We're not told what it is. Probably in a container. He looks in. He goes, whoa. And so he covers it back up. Then off he goes. He thinks, I want that field because that treasure's there. Gets rid of everything that he has. Goes to the person who owns it and buys that field so that he can have the treasure that's on and buried in that field. Now, that's, that's kind of like a little weird story, but it would make sense to the listeners back then because that area, they had no safety deposit boxes. And if you wanted to hide treasure, you usually buried it. And part of the reason was that you wouldn't keep it around your house, you put it somewhere in a field, is because there was constant um, and regular military campaigns that went through the area. Marauding armies would come through, so if you had to bury your stuff, 
and keep it safe that way. The key was to remember where it was buried. So it's not entirely improbable that this guy would be digging in the field and find the treasure. They would get that when Jesus told that story. It'd be like us telling a story where someone has a lottery ticket they find in their coat, and it's the winning ticket. It's improbable, but it could happen. There's an issue with this story, of course. It looks like Jesus is using a story of deception to highlight something about God. I would just keep two things in your mind about that. First of all, the guy who owned the field, if the treasure was in fact his, he probably wouldn't have sold it. Or he would have gone and dug up the treasure first and took it. Maybe it was someone else's. And also at that time, there was a a rule in the law books and it said this, that if you were doing exactly what this guy was doing and you digging and you found a treasure, as long as you didn't take it out and you left it there, you could go buy the field and then legally own the treasure. And that's what the character in our story does. And that's something to keep in mind about the parables. They're using everyday events to illustrate something about God. They're not to be the point themselves, but they are to make a point about God. So that's the the story of the guy who is digging and finds treasure. Maybe a good reason you go gardening this afternoon. Here's the next one. It's the expensive pearl story. And Jesus says this. He tells this back-to-back, really short stories. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. We can move to the next slide. This is a guy who is... a <laughs> He's a wealthy merchant. He is an ancient Russ Oliver. He goes, I buy your pearls. Pickering, oh, Pickering. That was his business. He went out, he bought pearls, he turned around and he sold them for more money. And so one day he's probably down wherever the pearl divers were and he comes across this incredible pearl. And we don't tend to think of pearls too much today. We think of gold, like Russ Oliver, I buy your gold. But back then, pearls were like the, you know, the, the, the ancient gold. They were the thing that had incredible value. And this guy sees an amazing one, and he sells everything he has just so he can get this one pearl. And you're thinking, like, really? Why be so extreme? Why not just, like, he's got an inventory, he's a merchant, he's a wholesaler, why not just trade? And I think the reason he he goes all in for this is because he wanted to make sure he didn't miss out on this one pearl. He wanted to have it all, so he gave everything up for that. So there's our two stories. And they are are going to get across to us some important messages this morning that we're going to look at. Let's go to the next slide. First part of our, our message is about discovery. That's very much what's happening in these stories. People discover things. And they're to illustrate for us about discovering God. And just before we get in to talk about that, let's talk about what we can discover in general terms about God. We'd find out, um, if we never knew about this, we'd find out God's highly personal. He is ultimately about love. In fact, that's one, the one, time, one of the times in Scripture where we see God being defined by one word. God is love. He's into forgiveness and acceptance. He wants a relationship with the very people he created, which is you and I. And God gives purpose and meaning in life. So this is the kinds of concepts that we can discover about God. Let's look at who gets to discover God. The message from the story is, it's everybody. In there, we've got two polar opposite people. Guy who is digging in the field. He's a day laborer or, or, or something like that. And he's just a common person. Then we've got someone else on the other opposite end of the social spectrum. A person of wealth 
and a person of means and resources. And, and so both of them make a discovery. And what this tells us is that discovering God is for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. You're a student in school, just minding your own business. Discovering God is for you. Same as a person who's just doing their job, going on the go train back and forth to work, driving the highway back and forth to work. Discovering God is for you. Same if you're a grandparent, just taking a nap one day in the afternoon. Discovering God is for you. In this story, too, we have two types of people. The guy in the, the, the merchant, he's, he's seeking, he's gone out, he's looking, and he discovers something. The guy in the field is not really discovering anything, not looking for anything. He's just digging in the dirt. He's just like, whatever, and he makes a discovery. And that's true for all of us here. We're in one of those categories. Either we're looking for God or we're not. We're just whatever. And the incredible thing is that no matter what uh, spectrum you're on, seeking or not, God can be discovered, and he may, in fact, be discovered by you. The irony is, sometimes when we're seeking God, we don't find him. And sometimes when we're just, like, minding our own business in a field with a shovel digging, then we find him. You can never tell exactly. And this sort of brings us to our next point. Where does this discovery happen? It happens absolutely everywhere. Now, when it, I grew up in a Christian family and went to church. I was born in a church, practically, I like to say. And I, um, I, I went to Christian camp, and we had family devotions every night. And I got all that kind of training, which is, I'm not criticizing. I loved it. It's good, except for those family devotions, because I was already out playing, and then they'd call me in, and it's like a big story. But the one thing that got drilled into my head was if you're going to learn more about God, you've got to get time away from everything. Block everything out. Clear your schedule. Get rid of the distractions. Shut off everything. Get basically up on that mountaintop, and then you and your Bible, and you'll find God. And that can be great if you can do it. But it's very, very hard to find those kinds of times where we're on the mountaintop and we're all undistracted and we can learn about God. Usually, we don't find those moments whatsoever. And so what God does is he will come to us and he will interject himself into our lives in the busyness right where we are. At my workplace, I have uh, an open door policy. I tell everybody, my door is always open, which it is, and you don't have to, you know, you want to see me? Just come by, just drop in. The problem with an open door policy is that people will come in your door, I've learned. And, and usually they come right at the wrong moment. I'm like fighting several deadlines and trying to put out a few fires, and in walks Tony, or in walks John, or in comes Romana, and they sit down and they, hey, how are you? And I turn and I look at them like, how do you think I'm doing? But I, I, you know, I'm trying to just pay attention to them, but in my mind I'm going like, let's speed this up, let's move on, I got deadlines, I got deadlines. And I've learned over the years that the, the interruptions are usually going to be the most important thing I will do during the day. They don't look like it at the time. At the time, they look awkward. They're inconvenient. They're like, I, I, I got a deadline. I can't deal with your issues or your problems. I just want, like, come on, leave me alone. But ultimately, it's those interruptions 
that matter the most. They have the most significance. They have the most meaning. And, and that's kind of how God operates. He will come to us. He will let himself be discovered. He'll knock on our door. He'll walk in our door at the wrong place at the wrong time. We're, we're like, wait, wait, I'm too busy here. And he's coming to us no matter what. And the key for us is to just sense that and to realize it's happening at the time and to go, okay, I need to listen right now because it's going to help me to learn about God, going to help me learn and grow. What helps with this discovery? And now we're on to, let's go to the next slide, sacrifice. Sacrifice. And when we get to sacrifice, we see in the story that there's a really, really big challenge for us there because both the guy digging in the field and the guy looking for the pearls, they find something and they give up absolutely everything. They make an incredible, incredible commitment. And if you've been in church, um, and we heard it in our songs this morning, and you'll hear it almost every Sunday, there's often the uh, push for commitment. Uh, I'm going to say something to Howard, because I meant to say, you know, he's like, what? And he's ducking down. I meant to say this to him a while ago, and I didn't get around to it. But let me, you know, around Easter time, you did the foot washing thing, right? I loved that. Because I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden there's the foot washing thing, and it's like, that's really meaningful, M made my day. And I'm thinking, yeah, 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 that's good. That's commitment, that's service. Here's what you got to do next time, okay? You're washing the feet, and then you just take that jug, and you take it, and you go like this, and you just drink all that foot water right there. Ultimate commitment. Foot washing, Howard, okay? <laughs> so I meant to say that to you. Okay, next time. But that's... That's a message that we get as Christians when we come to our churches. We get pushed for commitment, and it's good. It's good. Don't get me wrong. But in that push to commitment, there's always the possibility of slipping over into extremism. And uh, you, you, don't need, you don't need me to recount for you, right here in North America, right in Canada sometimes, that they will be a Christian who is so committed that they become extreme, usually on one issue that they focus on. And they do things that are in direct contradiction of the Christian message. And they do things that, uh, that just bring shame on the gospel and shame on Jesus. And so we've got to guard ourselves, as we're committing, we've got to guard ourselves from becoming extremists. And usually what happens to the extremists is they get hooked on one issue. And they focus on that one issue, and it leads them to do really dumb things. And this brings us to a point about commitment. Usually when we think about committing to God, we think about committing our whole selves to God. Everything that we have, Robert Cumberbatch has used that great uh, illustration for us about opening up all the, the rooms in your life to let God in. And we, and we think of that, that we give our all to God. Let me ask you this, though. Have you ever thought of it this way? That have we got all of God? When we listen to the message of Jesus and we read that, have we heard his whole message? Or do we just hear certain ones that we like, that a appeal to us. And in this story where, where there's a sacrifice and a commitment of everything, think about that. Look at all of that Jesus said. 
Yeah, he said those things that, are, that we like to hear about being kind and about being loving. But he also said things like, um, maybe you should put other people ahead of yourself all the time. Maybe you should take some of your financial resources and give that to the poor. There's a lot of message to Jesus. So when you're committing and you're thinking about growth and development and, 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 and move, making progress with God, look at all of God. Look at all of Jesus. See the whole package. See the whole message, not just one small part of it. Um, any 15-year-old boys here? For, so let's go 14, 15, or 16-year-old boys here this morning. What? They're busy this morning. The sun is out. There we go. Okay. So this story's for you. You'll get it. No one else will. Um, I'm 15, and, and I'm out with my dad. Now, to understand my dad, he was raised through a, with, a, with a sort of an odd jobs family that went through the Depression, and you basically scrambled and scratched for everything. So you hoarded. You were a scavenger, always out on the lookout for a deal, and you hoarded when you found a deal. And, and he always had that mindset. And we're in Shoppers Drug Mart, and I'm 15 years old, and there's a sale on toilet paper with no maximum, okay? So we get two shopping carts full of toilet paper, and we're standing in line with these two carts full of shopping paper, or, or toilet paper, and I'm sort of, I'm trying to stand away from the cart. I'm trying to just like, you know, like this, because I know someone's watching, and it's probably a 15-year-old girl, and she's like, making a mental list, Paul, avoid probable bowel problems. <laughs> and today, if you're in the line with the, the, you know, and you got all the toilet paper and it's all on sale, your picture with that cart, with that toilet paper is on the express lane of Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And the whole world is like rolling, laughing at you, going like, woo, okay. But that's how I was raised. Lynn said to me recently, she said, that's my wife, she said, can you stop buying toothpaste? And I said, what do you mean? It's on sale. She says, we have more than Shoppers Drug Mart have right now. <laughs> she said this literally, she said, we have 24 tubes of toothpaste. There's one brand I like, it's on sale. She said, stop buying it. I don't need to buy for probably until 2025 or something like that. But that's what I'm raised with. And so I like, I like to hold on to things, hoard things, keep things. And when we think about sacrifice, that's like, what? That's hard to do. But I've learned that sometimes when you hold on to stuff, you hold yourself back. And that's very clearly what's going on in the story. Think back to the raft and the guy on the raft. What's your raft? What are you holding on to? that maybe it's like a security blanket. Maybe it's helped you get where you are right now. But it, it may be holding you back from discovering more about God. Um, maybe it's something about ourselves that we need to transform as well. Not just making a sacrifice, giving something up, but making the sacrifice of transforming ourselves. How we act, how we treat people. Are we forgiving? Do we make promises and keep them? So there's many, many ways that we can sacrifice things, let go of things, and it helps us in our relationship with God and with others. Question, though, why, why would we do this? Here's the last thing about sacrifice. It's everlasting. Um, 
Back to safety deposit boxes. A guy I used to work with, I met him for lunch recently, he's retired. He was, uh, he was vacationing in Ethiopia, that's where he's from. And he told me that while he was there, he got a phone call from Scotiabank. And the branch of Scotiabank that he used said, we're closing the location. And you have a safety deposit box there. We need you to come in and uh, look it over, take it out, and maybe you're going to relocate it. And he went, oh, yes, yes, my safety deposit box. I've got valuable things in there. So he, he, said, he said, I'm out, of, I'm out of town, of course. When I'm back, I'll go and do that. And that's one of the very first things he did when he got back to Canada. He went to the branch, had his key, which he'd had, and he had that key for 30 years. And he opens up the safety deposit box and makes sure he's got the right one. He opens it up, empty. Nothing in it. So for 30 years, he's thinking, it's safe in there, it's important in there, and he's holding on to that, and he realizes there's nothing there. And he said, I paid 70 bucks a year for nothing. <laughs> Sometimes it's like that in life. We're clinging to stuff. We're holding on to it for year after year after year and thinking this is important, our, our you know, our... our our money, our wealth, our place in society, our, 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 our who we are. We just think that's so important and we're clinging on to it. And maybe too late we find out it's kind of empty. It doesn't have meaning or significance. And that's the incredible thing that we find about God. We find out so many things about God. But one of the real amazing things we find about God is He is everlasting. He is eternal. And He offers that to us. When we see Jesus and we understand who Jesus is and we commit our lives to him, we get acceptance by God. We get an everlasting life. Not one that ends here, but that continues on later. And, and, and these, this, this also gives us an orientation in life to be making a difference in people's lives, making a difference that can last forever. So we've got to shift our time perspective and understand that, yeah, 30 years holding on to stuff and then finding out it's empty, it's not worth it. Instead, we should be giving that up and investing in living for God. We're going to uh, take a look at our summary, quick summary. So this morning we talked about discovery, discovering God. Every, it's for everybody and it can happen everywhere. We also saw that it requires sacrifice. It may mean everything that we have to sacrifice, but it has an everlasting outcome for that. Let's go to the last uh, picture. Here's another story about holding on. Maybe you've heard this one. I heard it from Hugh Roger at Guelph Bible Camp years ago, and, and I remembered it. And it's a story of a, a peasant, and he lives in India or somewhere where he's just, all he's got every day is a bowl of rice. That's basically all he's got. And the king was known, or the ruler of the land, whoever it was, he was known to go out once a year and just walk among the people. The only time he did this, and he would carry this big bag of gold, and he was known to hand out some gold to some of the people that this was like beyond anything that they could imagine because all they got is a bowl of rice. So this man is just sitting there, and he'd seen the king go by year after year after year after year, and he's got his bowl of rice, and this year the king or the ruler stops right in front of him. And the man is just sitting there and he's got the bowl of rice and this is like, this guy's super important. He doesn't even want to look up. 
doesn't even want to see him because he's like a poor peasant. He's got his head down. He's looking at his bowl of rice, and he sees the bag of gold, and he hears it, and he's thinking, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. And then the ruler says to him, give me your rice. And the man's looking, going like, that's all I got. Like, that's it. I need this to survive. Without this, I'm not going to make it. But he's looking at that bag of gold, and he's wondering, like, what's going on here? And he's thinking, oh, what do I do? And the guy says again, give me your rice. So he takes two little grains of rice and hands it to the man. The man reaches in his bag and gives him two small little gold uh, coins and then walks away. And he's left with his rice. And he's left with that question, what, what would have happened if I gave it all away? And that's two questions. Let's see those, the last slide. Two questions for us. What are we holding on to? And, and what would happen if we let go of it? We're going we're gonna to pray right now, and the worship team is going to come up. And we're going to pray for the communion, and then, and then we'll move forward with the rest of the service. Let's just bow our heads now. Father, thank you for the great stories of Jesus. They bring real challenge to us. And this morning we've seen that it is possible to discover you at a greater depth, but it will require sacrifice. It will require us letting go of something. And that reminds us, that's, those words were spoken by someone who let go of something. We find in the Bible that Jesus had a place in heaven with you, but let go of that and came down to earth and made the ultimate sacrifice, giving up his life so that we could have life with you. We could have our sins forgiven. We could connect with you and have a life of meaning and purpose and fullness and a life that, that never ends. And as we look at this bread that's before us, and we, we, it just reminds us of Jesus just sharing his life with us. And we see the wine as well, and we're thankful for that because that speaks to us of the blood that he shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Make us understand that this morning. Help us to discover that. Even if we're here and we're not interested, we pray that it makes an impression on all of us here this morning. And we want to thank you for what Jesus did for us. And we pray this in his name. Amen.